are now listening to The War Report. Can we talk about Missouri's fan base? Mm, yeah, let's do that. Oh man. Let's talk about let's talk about them real quick and just where do we begin? I tweeted about that. Um so Thursdays Thursdays here in where I live is the day where we do trash pickup. So I think that's where I actually left the Missouri fan base on the curb mm-hmm. for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh because yeah. they are bona fide. If you're hearing me and you're a Missouri fan, um and I'm talking about you. Um, because it's, it's absolute tr- Like, I don't understand. There is, there has to be, and, and we went through this when I talked about the Tennessee fans. And yeah. maybe Missouri fans didn't pay attention to that because it wasn't about them. But, like, there has to be some point in time during athletic competition where you start realizing, hey, guys, this isn't okay. And chanting... While a guy is injured on the court, things about like shoot him like a, a horse or something like stuff yeah. like that. I didn't hear that actually. I missed that. I found out about that today. Right. Stuff like that is just so far over the line of where we need to be as fans. Not to mention chanting overrated after your team just lost the game has no sense whatsoever of like, so if we're overrated and we still won. What is that? Like, you're really bad, right? Like, we're not the best team in the country and still beat you. You're, th- think about what you're saying for just like half a second, maybe. Like, I just don't understand. Like, cheering for your team, cool. Um, being upset at refs, cool. Uh, you know, feeling fired up that you guys are in a game that everybody didn't think, all of that stuff, cool. There are just certain things that are over the line, and we have to figure out how to get our way back to that space, man. Like because this is this out of hand. it's out of hand. Um, I I have I just have two questions. What was the issue with Bruce Pearl? Number one, I could see if this was Tennessee, but it's it's Missouri. The Bruce Pearl sucks. What's up with that? And then what was up with the antlers? Someone help me understand what the heck were the antlers about? Did Somebody you see in the that? chat was. Somebody in the chat was just talking well, about the antlers. People was rocking like, I think it's the logo, but it had antlers connected to it. I, I didn't understand what that was about. Didn't make didn't make the least bit of sense to me. But uh I I didn't get it. I just I just felt like um as a fan base, I, I you know, and I'll 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 tell this story. Um while I was living in Phoenix, Arizona, I, I just ASU, Arizona State, you know, was in Tempe, like right where I live. Um, they don't have a very good sports culture there right um mm-hmm. and definitely not football but i had a friend who went to michigan state that came to town when michigan state was uh ranked 12 in the nation and so she said hey do you want to go to the michigan state game i said sure we sit down at the game and a michigan state guy goes down on the field and they have a chant that they do and every time asu gets a first down they go one two three first down b word just 19-year-old screaming the B-word in your ear, drunk. That's kind of cool. <laughs> and so, all right, okay, I knew Brian would like that. And so, like, I, I, thought, that was a, I thought that was a little, I thought the chant was a little classist. Right, yeah. But then a Michigan State player goes down hurt, and they're still going in devil's chance. Oh. I'm like, like, do we get, do we got, they got it twisted up here. They got, they got me effed up. When a player is down and has not been moving for two minutes, usually the crowd is quiet. 
until you know that player is okay. That is not the time to cheer for your team. That's not the time to jeer the coach, yell at the refs. It's just time to have a quick moment of silence and remember that, you know, this is bigger than sports and somebody's health is at risk or career is at risk. So, like, I, I, that, I have very low tolerance for that sort of behavior. Their fans should know better. And you could hear it clearly on TV, so it was more than a few. Yeah. Classless. I hated it, man. I'm telling you. And I, 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 when we went to that national championship game, Caesar, and we lost to Florida State, walking out of the Rose Bowl, I can tell you I did not run into one Auburn fan that made me ashamed to be an Auburn fan. Right. Florida State won. And their behavior was shameful after the game. Right. You know, our fans generally are better than that. And so, like, my standard for fan behavior is high. I did not like that at all. I thought, it, I thought that, you know, that's a teaching moment. I hope that they talk to their student section, their students, or send a memo out about basic etiquette at a sporting event. You don't cheer about anything while players down on the court. Man, that was a scary injury, man. Green was writhing in pain i was scared right. it was an acl or something yeah because right. i didn't see the contact initially i thought he just like landed awkwardly and then right. when he went down mm-hmm. in the amount of pain that he was in i was like "Ooh, no no it looked good. good it's never he was right. gra- he went he went straight for the right knee too while he was rolling yeah. over and i'm right. thinking to myself i'm like oh no please this young man does not deserve this yeah right five five minutes later he was back out on the court they gave him the uh matt corral juice yeah. <laughs> he we was fa- out we there. found it. We found it. <laughs> yeah. But I-, I heard that it's a bone bruise. It was a bone bruise. And bone bruises can be tricky. So uh, we'll be monitoring it. I-, I remember, if you know, if you follow basketball, you remember uh, Dwayne Wade played like half a season with a bone bruise. And it's because he, you have the only cure for it is rest. That's it. Right. Right. You just have to rest when you uh, have a bone bruise. And if you don't stay off it, I've had one on my shin. It was terrible. It felt like it was broken. You can put no pressure on it. Um, all, all you can do is just take, you know, meds for the pain. But it, it's pretty, it can be pretty excruciating. So um, I, I, hopefully it's not a deep bruise and, you know, with some therapy. But he'll be, he'll be doing therapy on that bruise for the rest of the season. 100%. Yeah. You guys are saying that... Uh the antlers are referenced to, I guess, their, their student section or the student group that supports yeah. the University of Missouri. So that's where the antlers come from. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Got it. Oh, interesting. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. Yo, so this, this, is, this exemplifies what you're talking about. Chris K here, they had a sign to free yeah. Harvey Updike, which Harvey Updike's not alive, um, and other Bama-type BS. I that's was in the right. band. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not even alive. So I think like, they had a scam Newton. They was like referencing yeah, like scam a, Newton. Like, like, you like, just, huh? you, it's like what? you're just pulling out whatever you can. To it's like, is there a thing that Auburn people don't like? Let's talk about it. If it's not going to be relevant, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in the band, and we stopped everything during moments like that. We were forbidden from booing anything. That's exactly what we mean. Like at some point in time, somebody has to teach people, hey. We don't do this during sporting events. This isn't okay. This is there. There is a culture around this, and you guys kind of have to get on board with this. Like, show a little class, man. Show well, a little class. I, I'm I'm going to push back against all of you all in this way. Fans are idiots. Okay, for sure. The reason that sports can make so much money, the reason that coaches can get paid ten million dollars a year to coach football is because people are idiots about how much they care about football. It's not just this thing that 
okay, I like it and, I, and I'm invested in it, and, but there's a line here. There, there is no line. It is completely some people's identity. That is a cultural thing. I know it's a Southern culture thing because I definitely see it down here in the South. Maybe people in the Northeast are that way about, I don't know, basketball. But the way we are about football, it's kind of bleeding over into basketball now because the SEC is now getting really competitive. So I don't expect people to have class when it comes to sports. I never do. I mean, when have they ever? We've seen live fist fights at NFL football games. Fist fights. About football. about football, that you can't even do anything about it. Yeah. But I, I, I think that even in professional sports, they know not to cross a line. If a player is down and injured, you shut up and you you wait and see if that guy is okay. Like there are just certain lines you don't cross. The stupid signs and the chanting. Okay, I get that. Like you're an idiot, but like cool. Yeah, it's, somebody's it's, hurt. Shut up. Like you just right. don't. We see it right. every time. Though. And, I mean, even well, I'm never in a professional football stadium, so I don't know what they say. Um, I don't think I've ever been to a pro football game. Just never traveled for one. But I wouldn't be surprised if they do it there because some people are just idiots. Yeah, so it's always going to happen. Bro, yeah, but. I, yeah. I'll tell you though. You know, at a professional football, I mean, the last game I went to was in November. I think it was um, the Redskins and Buccaneers. It was my first time seeing Brady play in person. You know, for the most part depending on where you are, like there are some fan bases where they're just really unruly. So Philly is ridiculous. When King was playing for Philly, I used to go down to Philly to see the Eagles games. And um, my girlfriend at the time was a Giants fan and they they were playing the Giants. And uh, she had a Giants jacket on and we were walking up and this guy, dead ass, walked and stood three inches from my face and said, you make terrible life decisions. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's really aggressive. I was like, she's standing right here and can't hear you, right? So um, there was always an adventure going down to Philadelphia, but their fans can be what B just described, certainly. Uh, and they have a reputation for that at all, for all Philly sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, in New York, it's not much Everybody better. calls them classless. Right, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. They kind of are. And um, then when King went to the Chargers in San Diego, they had a very different culture around sports there was more laid back. Like, people love their Chargers, but it's not that crazy over-the-top fanaticism. You know what I mean? Like, I'm saying all this to say that it it is the same on the pro level. You just think, man, during these developmental years where young men and women are becoming the people that they're going to be for the rest of their lives, that, you know, if you're representing our institution, you're carrying yourself in a certain way that you know, is representative of the morals and values that is the Auburn creed, right? Like, so cheering while, I mean, it just makes sense to me. I, I, I don't I've never read a rule book on how to act at a game. I just know when somebody's down, you're quiet because there's right. more. Do you remember, um, was it Georgia 2003 when Junior Rosegreen put that hit on Reggie? Four. Right. Four. Well, four. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. It was the, the undefeated season, yeah. Right, and it just, I thought he was, I mean, it, we thought he was dead lifeless for a while and there was a big boom now they've outlawed such hits now you can't make those kind of hits right but um you know i just remember the overwhelming sense of like relief when they took him off the field and said it looks like he's going to be okay you know um a brandon jacobs in 2003 they put him on kickoff returns and we played vanderbilt and he ran down and did the same thing spear somebody and just almost that guy was out we thought he was dead you know, and I just remember the whole stadium, Auburn fans, Vanderbilt fans, everybody was just quiet, right? Like, there's this, like, quiet reverence that you have for the fact that somebody's health is at risk. Uh, it, I just, I don't know. You could hear it through the TV. 
And I know that's that's not their whole fan base. It's it's the vocal minority mm-hmm. that you hear that just happens to be in those seats. So, you know, we, we all have them. We all have Classless fans. Uh, I, you, you know, just to be able to hear it through TV was really disappointing. So, yeah. Right. Yo, what's up? This your man Ike Jones with The War Report, and you've been listening to The War Report Wednesday Night War Room. If you want to get in on the conversation early, catch us as we broadcast this show live on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on YouTube. Make sure you check out our other content while you're there, Facts and All, The Weekend Tailgate, our player interview series, Build a Rapport, are going strong. All right, enough of that. Let's get back to the show. Let's get to some of these uh, Super Chats. Jazzy Joe was crazy as how many times we've had a game where we said, man, he was clutch for us. And we're talking about a different player every time. We are stacked. I agree. Um, I think that speaks to one of the things that Bruce Pearl talks about, our identity, is we play a lot of guys. Big Gap says, hopefully, Al will shake the rust off going into the tourney. He could, we could use that offense going into the big dance. I agree. It's all hands on deck, man. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Corey Weber, who do, oh yeah, I missed that one. Who do who do you least likely want to meet? <laughs> Cameron Petway or KD Johnson. Oh, that's an interesting comparison because of football versus uh basketball. Yeah. Uh, I, have to go, I have to go. I ain't Petway. trying to I about to say I ain't trying nah, to tackle man. Cam Petway, Petway at no, no point in time no, ever in I, life. Yeah. Yeah. I would you, flop you, trying to guard KD Johnson. That's what I would do. I would do you guys remember a silly movie called The New Guy? In the movie, he would do this thing called Crazy Eyes. Yeah, <laughs> this is really stupid. And he would like make these crazy eyes, and people would be like, "Oh, something's wrong with that dude." Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> right? That, KD Johnson has that look. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So you could meet him in the hole. It may not be about physicality. He's just got that like I I will do anything it takes to win, including snatching your soul from you, Indiana Jones style. Like I mean, he just looks crazy, and you need to be crazy a little crazy to win a championship. I'm sure. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Um, um, right? <laughs> ah, I'm going to take your heart. All right, that's that's KD Johnson looks like that all day. I bet you he sleeps with crazy eyes. That dude is intense. Uh, we got a, a few minutes left. Let's discuss oh, yeah. last little segment. Um, Derek Mason has joined Oklahoma State staff as defensive coordinator. A um, few days after stepping down as defensive coordinator at Auburn. So a uh, lateral move on his part, but it's it's kind of the circumstances behind uh, which he did leave. Um, I, I The few times I am on Twitter, I happen to just hop on and saw Marcus Harris's tweet, mm-hmm. which let me know he was kind of in his feelings. Uh, Ike, would you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, listen, so multiple reports inside uh, the Auburn program are stating that um, what precipitated the process of Derek Mason vacating his seat as the defensive coordinator for Auburn was him stating that he was burnt out and he wanted to take a year away from coaching, which is why this transition was like smooth and behind the scenes and they were just kind of slowly ramping up to kind of moving over from Derek Mason to coach uh, Jeff Smitting. And not only was that told to the coaching staff so that they could prepare this transition, but Coach Mason then went and told players the same thing. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, which is why, you know, it, you know, we talked about the whole thing when when we were uh, speculating that he was leaving as to whether or not this was going to lead to some mass exodus because players were going to be disappointed and want to follow Coach Mason. I think at this point now, you know, it's pre- I, I'm pretty sure those players were okay with him leaving because they didn't think he was getting fired or you know whatever. They just right. thought, okay, well, he's not going to be coaching no more, whatever. But then to say that and then go take another coaching job days later. Right. Uh, And the the Marcus Harris tweet that you're referring to, Marcus Harris said in quotations, retweeting the uh, thing from Oklahoma State announcing him as the new coach. Um, He put in a a quotation mark, something to the effect, and I'm not quoting this directly. He's like taking a year off in quotation marks and then, uh, uh, you know, a laughing emoji after that. Um, So they were under the impression, multiple players, there was an um, uh, Michael Riley Drucker, I think, uh, tweeted something Mm -hmm. about it. They were dissatisfied with how this happened. They thought Coach Mason was disingenuous with them about his uh, his him dis, dis needing time off from coaching, and that's the reason why he wasn't going to be at Auburn. And then you pop up with a new job. That's like you know your girlfriend being like, you know, I just need a break. I don't feel I'm not feeling relationships. It's and me. Then, it's not you. Yeah, the next minute she you know posted up on Instagram with some other dude in his picture talking about this is my bae. And it's like, wait a minute, did you just <laughs> tell me? I'm very specific. I, I, I mean, you know, um, listen, Instagram wasn't <laughs> Instagram wasn't around when I was going through them type of issues. Uh, but I'm just saying, though, like, it's just it's very like like you ain't have to lie. Just say, you know what? I, I don't want to be here right now. And, you know, but it, I just I just I don't like it. It, it stinks to me. And I, I have spoken very highly of Coach Mason and this sours that perception a little bit like again i get it that you're in a bad situation um but i don't know if that's the way to handle it bro yeah. i don't know yeah yeah um be well thoughts i think he wanted out obviously it wasn't about him being burnt out so what that leads me to believe is he just didn't like either he didn't like i, I think this is something that we find common with people who have been head coaches to take a step down and have to now do things, you've done things your own somebody way. Somebody else's way. Yeah, somebody else's way. You, you've, you've had the luxury of being able to say, here's how we practice, here's when we practice, here's what we need to emphasize as far as nutrition and strength training program and schedules and everything about that. You get to decide it. And then all of a sudden, your focus goes from this wide to about this narrow. And that's all you got to worry about, which is a relief for some coaches. It's why some NFL coaches are great coordinators and then they become bad head coaches and then they come back and be great coordinators steve spagnolo for the kansas city chiefs he's a great defensive coordinator he was a terrible head coach but you know what i'm not going to worry about all that stuff i'm going to worry about just my job and i think i could do that a little better that works great for some coaches other coaches they can't quite sit with not being able to dictate how everything goes maybe there was a little bit of that maybe i don't maybe it was Derek Mason did feel accountable. He felt like he owed an explanation for walking away from this team, and he offered them an explanation because he wants to be a good dude. But really, it wasn't that he was burnt out on coach on, on being a coach. He was burnt out on being a coach here, here for this coach. Maybe that's all it was. And maybe that's hard to say to the guys who you have established a connection with and, and established a rapport with for a year. But if that's the truth, then that's what you should have said to him. You you didn't have to say, listen, man, it's just this, it's just this. I promise that's the only reason I'm stepping away. Well, obviously, it's not the only reason because 
As a matter of fact, I think the quote from him announcing said after weeks of talking about direction, weeks, weeks of discussing um, what looking forward for the program, he's accepting this job. I'm like, weeks, huh? So you at least knew you were you were flirting with coaching somewhere else for at least weeks. When did he give these guys this explanation that it was just because I'm burnt out on coaching? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's um, it's unfortunate. He, he it seems like he was going to be gone no matter what, though. So, in end of the day, he's not here, and that's what it is. Yeah, I don't Mike, know. I just say I don't like it, bro. But yeah, go ahead, Mike. Mike, uh, what what are your uh, thoughts about this? Because I I think you know you've been largely positive. We all have been largely positive about Mason, um, especially with the results that on the field, um, players appear to like him a lot, but. After this comes out, what what is your what are your thoughts, Mike? Um, so I was not, I was a little, I was about maybe a one one or two gummy on this one <laughs> when we found out uh, that he was um, not coming back, and we speculated about you know uh, uh, this from a few different angles. You know, is it Carson? Is it Mason? Like, what's going on? Um, I 100% don't like the way he handled it. I don't see the point of having a meeting with the players if you, right. in the back of your mind, know this was always the end result. Now, if if it's possible that something happened between him having that meeting and then making this decision, yeah, I, 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 that's a hard sell for me because of what he told the players. I'm stepping and, and, away. And why right. doesn't he come back and tell the players, hey, listen, you know, right. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. You talking. You- yeah, I, 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 I don't like the optics of his actions at all. And what it does is it kind of muddies the waters around why is this happening? Which, again, I don't know if we'll ever get the full truth. Yeah. Right. Right, about what, why this is happening. But it does seem, based on other reports I've had about the, the process of choosing a defensive coordinator is that there may have been some philosophical differences about direction mm-hmm. um, that started brewing midseason and came to a head around the time we started looking for a, a D-line coach. Mm. So the connection is unclear at this point. You guys know we don't spread unsubstantiated rumors. It's just there are a lot of things floating ar- around about the why. And when you're putting it all together, the, the, the bottom line conclusion is Derek Mason – uh, did not want to work on Brian Harson's staff anymore. Mm-hmm. That's what it boils down to. You know, uh, the why he didn't want to, I just, I just don't know that we'll ever get the truth, but I, I think that's where we're at. And if a guy doesn't want to be here, then he can't be here. Right. Because Brian Harson is going to be the coach in 2022. Right. So uh, it's positive for Auburn, I think, in that way, possibly. Um, it doesn't mean, because some guys, even if they're unhappy, they can still be professional. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that he would have been unable to do his job, but ultimately, you know, you need a staff that's of one mind and that's unified, right, in the right. direction and the plan, even if it's the wrong one, right? So um, I, I'm not, I'm, I still have my questions about how Coach Harson manages his staff um, and how he, you know, how he gets along with people who have different ideas from him. You know, and and see how that works. I mean, we just we just did an interview with the number one coach, and I don't want to give away what he said, but he kind of talked about this during our interview as well about the people that he surrounds himself with. So I just hope that we're headed more in that direction than the other direction.